At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Good morning. Great to see you. Hope you and your family had a fantastic Christmas holiday. Now, I want you to know that at the end of each calendar year, I typically try to take some time and reflect upon my life. How am I doing physically? How am I doing in terms of our family finances? How's my spiritual life? Am I walking faithfully and consistently in the ways of Jesus? Now, if you are like me and many other Americans, this time of kind of self-assessment often leads to goals. Or another phrase, New Year's resolutions. Well, you find yourself in church here on the final day of 2023, so you can probably make a few assumptions about what I'm going to encourage for your spiritual life in the year ahead. You can probably guess that I'm going to say, read your Bible more. You're probably going to expect me to say, spend more time in prayer. Perhaps serve at the church more often. These are all good and healthy spiritual disciplines for the year ahead. Make no mistake about that. But these things are not what I'm going to recommend for you to have a vibrant spiritual life in 2024. My counsel is going to be something completely different. Something straight from the words of Jesus, and it might in fact be something that you do not expect. I'm going to explain in just a moment, but first, let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the blessing of the past year. We give you thanks for the blessing of 2023, for the ups and for the downs, for the challenges, for the struggles, for the joys, for the victories, for everything that you brought into our lives. These are the gifts of your sovereign hand, and we thank you for them. We thank you. But God, now as we are ready to turn the page on one year and move into a new year, we are here today because we desire to hear from you. We desire to meet with you, to bring an offering of praise and for your word to penetrate our hearts, to penetrate our minds. So God, would you give us eyes to see your truth clearly today? We humbly ask that you would give us ears to hear this truth clearly. And then, God, would you find our hearts humble before you today. That through the power of your Spirit, you might do your work in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, I have the opportunity to share something that I believe is of particular importance to you, my White Lake family. 
Now, the reason I say that is I won't be preaching the same biblical text as, other, uh, as the other 13 campuses of Woodside Bible Church. That's typically what we do, but today is an opportunity for me to share something that God has placed upon my heart for you, our church, as we head into the new year. Now, I want to share with you this morning something that has everything to do with your goals or your New Year's resolutions as you head into the new year. Now, I've already established that it's not going to be more Bible reading. I've already shared with you that I'm not going to challenge you to be in prayer more often. And I've already stated that I'm not going to ask you to serve here at the church more often in the year ahead. These are not the things that I'm talking about today, but make no mistake, all of those things are important. They're just not how I want to shepherd you this morning. Because the items on that list that I just went over, Bible reading, prayer, serving at the church, these are all items that we do. They're about doing. Instead, this morning, I want to encourage you in being. In being. You see, as I reflect upon my personal assessment of the past year, there's one theme that stood out among the others. It is a theme that I practiced in my own life. It's a theme that I encouraged and led our staff team through and encouraged them to practice it consistently throughout the year. And it is something that I believe can transform your spiritual life in the year ahead. Now, what is this mysterious spiritual discipline? Rest. It is Sabbath rest with your Savior. Now, before you dismiss what I've just said going, oh, wait a second, this is the guy who had a two-month sabbatical during the summer, and he's telling me about Sabbath rest. I don't have time for Sabbath rest. Well, I want to challenge your thinking today. I want to do that by taking you directly to the heart of the issue. And what I mean by that is I'm going to take us straight to the words of Jesus. So let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be looking at Matthew's gospel, specifically Matthew chapter 11. You will find Matthew chapter 11 on page 816 in our church Bibles. And uh, we are looking at the words of Jesus that Matthew shares with us. Matthew 11, beginning... At verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In just five verses, Jesus has given us an incredible amount to ponder. There is the unique relationship that Jesus has with the Heavenly Father. We have a bold declaration of who Jesus is right there in that text. And then he concludes this portion with the most warm, welcoming invitation that we find in Scripture. It's all there. So let's dive in. And what we're going to see are three key truths that can guide you and I into a more vibrant spiritual life in the year ahead. So let's look at verses 25 and 26 with a little more depth. Once again, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding. And you have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. You see, in these words, Jesus declares something absolutely incredible. Without the divine disclosure of God, there is no faith. God is the one that draws sinners to himself. God is the one who opens the eyes of man, and it is God who stirs faith in the hearts of man. It's all God. He does the work. And this helps us see that God reveals truth. For in Christ, God reveals truth. You see, whatever stage of life we find ourselves in, the one to whom we turn is of the utmost importance. And if you are in Christ today by faith, if you are here today and you would say, I am in Christ by faith, what you need to know is that God has revealed that truth to you. Candidly, when we consider this, this is one of the most humbling truths in all of God's word. God has revealed his truth to me, a sinner, for no other reason than his sovereign will and his sovereign plan. And he's done the same for you. I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. And neither could you. But God can. Because God is the one who made himself known to you and to me in Christ Jesus. Look back at verse 26. Father, You have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding, and you have revealed these things to little children. You see, this is one of the reasons that believers can run to God with our cares and with our concerns. This is another reason that we can worship God in song and in prayer. And we can seek him in his word and seek wisdom and direction for our lives. Why? Because he has revealed truth to us and he has drawn us to himself. That's Jesus. Now, let's return to the text to see what Jesus declares about himself. Verse 27 He said, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. 
No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You see, Jesus is both bold and concise in his proclamation here. He declares that he alone is equipped with the Father's power. He declares that he alone has the knowledge of the Father. He declares that he alone represents the Father. He declares that he alone works with the Father to draw men, women, and children to himself. Whatever it is that you know about the character of God, Jesus revealed to you. Whatever it is that you know, whatever it is that you wrap your mind around and understand about the character of God, Jesus tells us that all of that is found in him. And this helps us see the second truth today. Jesus reveals God to us. Jesus reveals God to his people. Now, the truth is I cannot effectively communicate how bold that idea truly is. Jesus states that if you desire to know God Almighty, if you are here today and you would say, I desire to know the God of the universe, I desire to know the creator of the sun and the moon and the stars, you must look to Jesus. One commentator describes it this way. He says, if you want to find the epicenter of God's self-disclosure, you will find it in Jesus. It's in him. Church, this isn't the only place that we find this sort of link that Jesus makes with the Father. It's not just one little verse in one little pocket of the scriptures. I want to take you to Jesus' answer to doubting Thomas when he asks the question that's found in John's gospel. Jesus responds to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. For if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him. And you have seen him. Church, make no mistake, that was a bold claim in the first century. And here's the reality. It is a bold claim in our time as well. It is a bold claim today. You see, there's an exclusivity to Jesus and to his words that runs completely counter to our culture. In fact, it is so countercultural, it's actually quite unpopular. And yet there is simply no room in Jesus' world for your truth or my truth. There is Jesus, and he is the truth. And church, that's why our final portion of today's text is so incredibly important. 
It matters so much to you and to me because of that reality of who Jesus is. Now, let's look at the words of Matthew uh, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden, my burden is light. Jesus, the Christ. God in human flesh. The one who represents the Father here on earth, he is the one who's inviting you. He's the one that's inviting me. For all who hear this text, he is saying, come to me. You see, we're called to run to him. We are invited to cry out to him. We are invited to bow our knee in humility before him. We are invited to lay down whatever idols that we have in our lives that we keep running for, for fulfillment, for what are our deepest longings. Whatever those idols are, he invites us to come to him and to lay them down. Because when we come to him, When you and I come to Jesus, that is where we find true rest for our souls. Do you know this Jesus? Have you placed your faith in him? Have you repented of your sin and turned and believed the good news? Have you received his grace? By faith. You see, only when we turn from our striving and our thinking and our earning, only when we turn from that and truly rest upon Jesus in his sacrificial work upon the cross, that's the only way that you and I can experience true peace. It's the only place we find this deep, abiding, lasting peace for our weary soul. And this helps us see the third truth, that Jesus invites us to rest. Jesus invites you and I to come and to rest in him. I'm guessing you guys can figure out the application that I'm going to give you for the third point here, right? What do you think it might be? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Come. Jesus. We do so first unto salvation, and then we are invited to consistently return to him in Sabbath rest and refreshment. It is unto salvation, and that it is unto and for our sanctification. We come to Jesus. In my favorite book on the subject of Sabbath called The Rest of God, Author Mark Buchanan explains the significance of Jesus' invitation to you and to me. Here's what he says. He says, it is an invitation at one and the same time to empty ourselves and to fill ourselves. 
When we come to Jesus, we have the opportunity to lay it down and to receive all that he has for us. But if we're going to be brutally honest with each other this morning, most of us don't live like that, do we? Most of us live in a constant state of stress and urgency. We kind of go, wait a minute, there are people who need us. There are things to do. There are deadlines to meet. There are bills to pay. The tyranny of the urgent is never ending. Or is that just my experience? You know how I know that what I just said is true? Because of my experience as a pastor. Now, as you might expect, as my role as a pastor, I have an opportunity to talk and to connect with a lot of people. I do that each week in the lobby. I talk with people and connect out there. Sometimes I grab coffee with somebody from our church family or grab a lunch during the week. Other times I'm on the phone with people in our church. Other times it's through text conversations. And you know what I never hear? Not one time, not one single time have I ever asked someone, how are you doing? And they've given me this answer. I'm rested. I'm refreshed. Not one time. Instead, the response that I receive and candidly often give is that, you know what? I am so busy. I live in a constant state of busyness, and so do you. We have meetings to attend to. We have calls to make and emails to respond to. There are house projects. There are things going on with our car that need our attention. And wait a minute, we're supposed to still find time for some physical exercise. I haven't even mentioned the investment that we need to make in our marriages or the investment of time that we need to be pouring in to disciple our kids. Haven't even gone there yet. And wait a minute, there's more. The church is asking you to serve too. And if we're going to be honest with each other, the weight of these things, all good, all necessary, can leave us overwhelmed. It can be debilitating. While well-intentioned, the reality of this lifestyle is harming us. It's harming us physically, It's harming us mentally, it is harming us emotionally, and make no mistake, it is destroying our spiritual lives. Believer, that is not what God has for his people. A constant state of busyness. Listen to the words of Jesus once again, because I want you to pay special attention to the invitation. Jesus says, Come to me. Now remember the truths that we talked about Jesus over the course of the past month. Jesus is God who came in human flesh. He is Emmanuel. And that is the one, he is the one who is inviting you and I to come. 
Notice what Jesus does not do in that text. He's not inviting you to work more. He's not inviting you to try harder. He's not inviting you to strive a little bit more, to do some religious stuff. He's not doing that. Instead, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden. You see, Jesus understands the burdens we carry. He understands the weight. He understands the pressures. And it's into that that Jesus speaks directly to us and invites us to come to him so that he might lift our burdens. How do I know this? Because of the promise that Jesus makes at the end of that text. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and what? I will give you rest. I love that. Jesus knows that it is only when you and I stop, when we weigh down, lay down the weighty things of our lives and come to him, he knows that that is the only place where we will find rest for our weary bodies, our weary minds, and our weary souls. Church, that is the essence of Sabbath rest when we stop striving and stop grinding and stop getting after it and come to Jesus. Jesus' words are so simple, so clear, so direct. And they highlight the simplicity of Sabbath in our lives. Now, Sabbath is one of those words If you've been in church any length of time, you know that that is a a word that you have heard. Perhaps some of you would say, you know what, I've heard it, but the reality of it is it's outdated. It's irrelevant. It has no bearing on my fast-paced life. I've got things to do, and yet Sabbath comes from God. God himself established it and practiced it. He invites people like you and like me to enter into it. Listen once again to the creation account in Genesis 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. He'd finished the work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because... On it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And yet, most 21st century believers that I talk with, when you mention the word Sabbath, they sort of look at you a little weird, like you're completely irrelevant. We completely miss the reality of Sabbath rest in our lives. We say, no, 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 wait. That is an Old Testament practice. That is Old Covenant stuff. Pastor, you don't understand. Our lives are completely different than they were in the first century. It doesn't have anything to do with with the fast pace, with the stuff that I have going on. I have a marriage. I have a family. I have a job. I have a side hustle. When exactly do I have time 
to go to God and to rest. With these contemporary realities in mind, I want to ask you a different question. How can we not have time for God and rest in him? Or perhaps I'll ask the question a different way. What is it in your life that could possibly be more important than coming to Jesus and resting in him? Friends, practicing Sabbath is not a burden. It is an opportunity for you and me to practice rest for our souls. This is why I encouraged the White Lake staff team to practice Sabbath in the past year. We've made it a priority to experience Sabbath rest for one day each week for the past year. It's borne a lot of fruit in our ministry and in our personal lives. And I want you to know, we place such a high emphasis on it that at some points when we meet during our weekly staff meetings, we have an opportunity to share how God is meeting with us, how he is molding us and shaping us, and how he is providing rest for our souls. Now, we've been doing that for the past year, and at a recent meeting, I asked our team if I could share a few of what God has been doing in their times of rest. And they said yes. So I want to encourage you with these words. I'm going to share a few from our staff team of what they have experienced in their times of Sabbath rest. And what I want you to pay special attention to, to consider for yourself, of how Jesus might do the same thing for you when you come to him. Here's what one said. For me, my Sabbath helps reset my heart and my desires and places them on the Lord. Whether that's extended reading in the Word, whether that's prayer walks, or reading other books that build me up, my time in Sabbath and with the Lord truly is what gets me through the week and gives me the rest that I need for the next week. Another staff member wrote this. God is helping me wrestle through difficult areas in my life where I need growth. They go to him. They come to Jesus. They accept the invitation. And lastly, for a long time, this staff member said, I was a workaholic. I was hiding in my performance for value. I was hiding in my performance for identity and for satisfaction. In practicing Sabbath, I have experienced God weaning me off of myself. God has used these times of reset and renewal to slow the pace of my soul to that of his own pace to walk in his posture and be at his pace. I love that. It's beautiful. Because what you see is that this person's pace is slowed to that of God's pace. 
And here's why that's beautiful, because it links directly with the imagery that we find in the last few verses of today's text. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus says, and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, Jesus says, is easy, and my burden is light. You see, the yoke, it's a wooden collar that would tether two animals together side by side around the neck. And curiously, this is what Jesus invites you and I to, to be linked with him at his pace because his yoke is easy. So wait like family. This sort of Christ-centered rest is what I desire for you in 2024. That you might hear this invitation of Jesus and that you might respond to that invitation and that you might find your rest in him. Amidst the chaos of our daily lives, amidst the craziness of our world, I know of nothing better for you than to rest in Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.